You are listening to a Nerd Room Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Be sure to check out more from the Star Wars Commonwealth on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Hey everyone and welcome to the Nerd Room where we talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, and DC. This is episode number 102. We're discussing all those solo leaks and the final Black Panther trailer. I'm one your host, Tim. I'm Troy. And we're missing our dude Sanjay this week. He's taking a few weeks off. He's waiting for that solo trailer. He's getting ready to get into that Chewbacca costume, suited up for the release of Solo A Star Wars Story. Sanjay, we're going to be missed this episode, but we're going to take a deep dive into Star Wars, of course, and we're going to talk some Marvel and DC this week. Sanjay, you will be missed, buddy. Next time. <laughs> Next time. We'll catch you, man. But how's the start to your 2018 been so far, man? Yeah, it's been good, man. Um, I guess when this episode drops, uh, we'll be into the future. So I actually did an early uh, comic book day pickup. I went to uh, Alpha Comics. Shout out to Alpha Comics. Went there uh, this afternoon and just got some mad comics, man. I, I know I want to cut down a bit, but, you know, when you take like three weeks off, you end up collecting quite a few comics. So I got a bunch of comics and I also found the cool like vintage line Marvel Legends they've been doing. Oh, yeah. I've you seen know, them. yeah. Yeah. So I got them at uh, Alpha Comics. I got Spider-Man. I, of course, I had to get Spidey. Um, I'm looking for that Wolverine, that maskless Logan. But uh, yeah, I picked that figure up, which has been great. And I'm probably going to rip it out of the box. I don't really care much for the vintage line look, like the um, the 40th anniversary, what they did with the, the Kenner kind of throwback yeah. with the Black Series. I'm just going to take this figure right out and pose them because the Marvel Legends, they're, they're great to pose around. And I've also picked up um, the Black Panther line, man. I, I, I held off for a little bit. I held off. And then um, I went to the gym like a week after and I, I saw Iron Man and I saw Black Panther still sitting there. And I was like, ah. Oh, all right, I gotta grab these two because I've, I've always wanted, <laughs> I've always wanted the all new, all different Iron Man. I, I love, love that armor. I don't yeah. know the name of it, but I think it's great. And, you know, I was gonna pass on T'Challa because I think the Civil War costume is so much better. But actually picking up the figure in hand, it looks really good, and I really like Chadwick Boseman's face on this sculpt way more than the Civil War line. So I was like, man, I gotta pick it up. If this is the last Black Panther Marvel Legend I ever get. So be it. And same with Iron Man. Like, I'm, I'm cool with it. So so this is it for probably T'Challa, at least, I could say, for, uh, <laughs> for the Marvel Legends. <laughs> I love that we literally had a conversation last week about not buying Marvel Legends. And the funniest yeah. part about that, just to bring some perspective here, I was at a, a swimming lesson with our two daughters, and Troy's wife was there. And she said, oh, Troy was so happy with himself. He saw the Black Panther Legends in the stores, and he came back and said, I didn't buy any of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I stayed away. And and the big man, like they had the huge set. They had the whole way pretty much um, right right in front of their like electronic section. Yeah, I think they've done it a couple times with the Star Wars toys in the, in a Walmart. And I, I I walked away from the whole wave. And man, I saw them the week after, and I was like, I got to get these two because I really really do like those two figures. They just look really good in hand. So um, I think it's gonna be after Infinity War. I'll walk away, like because Infinity War they're gonna hit us with a big time Marvel Legends. They're gonna be oh yeah, sick. they have to. Right? Yeah, they're gonna be awesome. And then from there, I'll feel pretty confident to walk away from the Marvel Legends. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny because I. I picked up, I didn't pick up any, but I had them in hand. 
mm-hmm. I had Black Panther and Suri in my hand. And I was like, you know, and it's funny how this has come full circle now because I said to myself, Troy was able to resist, so therefore I'm going to resist. <laughs> <laughs> so your strength was transferred into me, but now I find out that you're chasing it. So now I feel a bit left out. Like I have to go back and pick up those Black Panther figures. Oh, man. You know, at the end of the day, I probably will grab that Black Panther and Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. Um, that's, what is it, the Golden Jaguar, whatever it's going to be called. And yeah. I, it's it's one of those things is I'm trying to step back from them like you a bit, so maybe a bit more pick and choose if I can get them on a little bit of a discount. Because even those Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 Legends are lingering. Like, they're all oh, over yeah. the place. And so yeah. I'm hoping that we get... a hit hard with a few Black Panther waves here. I'm able to find them at a little bit of a discount, but I have to agree with you. Like the, the posability of the Marvel legends, Black Panther from the civil war line is awesome. It's one of my favorite figures from that line. If not my favorite figure, like they're, they're really great figures And the sculpts. Like you said, like looking at the Suri and Chadwick Boseman's face, like T'Challa's face in this, like they're really well done figures. The articulation is great. So it's hard to stay away, but I'm going to see how 2018 goes because that was kind of one of our nerdy resolutions was try to step back and kind of reframe our collecting to, to be able to shift funds to other places. And, you, you know, you see things like these legends and it's like, ah, oh, I really, really want to get this. Yeah. And so it, it's, it's going to be hard. One of those balancing acts things too because I was out in the hunt too and I was able to find DJ, the three and three quarter inch for the last Jedi wave. I got a Porg Pez dispenser. It's funny because I'm not really a Pez dispenser collector, but I guess I am because I have all kinds of them now. <laughs> and I saw the Porg, and what really drove me to getting the Porg Pez dispenser was it was the only one left. So I'm thinking in my head, collectors are picking this up. You got to pick this up or you're going to miss out. So again, influenced by the lack of stock. There might have only been one or two per case, but I did pick it up. I'm happy with my first purchases of 2018. I also had a chance to go down to the comic book shop for the first time in 2018. Actually, the first time in like a month and a half that I've been to a comic book shop. And I only picked up a few books. I picked up a couple Captain America, and I picked up Storms of Crate as well. Now that's oh, number the, one? Yeah, that's the tie-in one-shot to The Last Jedi. I'm saying tie-in with air quotes here because I reviewed it with... Mark and Rob over on TSW Comics this past week. That episode will actually drop on the same day that we're dropping this episode. But it's not really the book that I expected it to be. It doesn't really tie in to The Last Jedi. Overall, like the look of it and what they do with the landscape of Crate is really good. But you don't get those connective tissues that we were expecting walking into this. You thought this was going to really tie well the OT to The Last Jedi and bring some context to Crate and how Leia knew about it. The Princess Leia, the Princess the Leia Princess Valderon book does a lot better job of that than this comic book does. It's a it's a one shot. So is this Leia's first time on the planet or did she go to that planet in uh her book yeah Princess so Alderaan. so leia princess of Alderaan, i think takes place or at least that portion of the book takes place about three years before the battle of yavin mm-hmm. when she goes or that might have been when the rebel outpost was there anyways so the, it's before uh episode four that leia goes to crate in that book and this book takes place between episodes four and five when they're looking for a new base so right. as they're looking for hoth they make a pit stop on crate Right. More or less. Okay. But there's some there's some fundamental issues I had with the comic book. It's it's not it needed to be much more of a connective book between the OT and The Last Jedi. It right. just doesn't 
it doesn't take that step. It's like it kind of skirts around the edge of the idea of what the comic book is supposed to be about. And it gives you some insight as to why, like without spoiling too much, why the ski speeders are there in The Last Jedi. But it doesn't okay. really give you any more insight as to what the planet means to the rebels. Being that Leia was on it before, they don't really mention that or reference the book. Being it's a Claudia Gray book, like a, a Claudia Gray is, is the queen of of writing in Star Wars universe. And the they, they just don't take enough opportunity to pull in all of the extended universe material and reference that book and reference the film in a, in a kind of a sort of a oblique way. They could have done a lot with this book, but they really just kind of veer away from it and just, just skim over the top of it. Right. So at the end of the day, you know, it's probably worth a pickup if you're super into Canon, like myself or you, but yeah. it's it's kind of to me it would be a skip if if you're just contemplating oh do I want a bit more context for Last Jedi doesn't really give you a whole bunch mm. so I would say it's a skip for those that are that screwed around the edge of extended universe material but those that are into it yeah grab it there's one fundamental flaw in it I got to get into this real quick oh yeah <laughs> the 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 artwork is it's good there's some uncanny valley stuff in there the Leia stuff's great but one of the fundamental things that they miss and spoilers for Storms of Crate here is they don't replicate the footprints on the salt flats being red. No way. In this, yeah. So I felt that was a bit of an art direction miss because it was such a significant plot point once you figure it out in oh, The yeah. Last Jedi, and they don't do that in here. So it's that's funny. Like, yeah, it is. Like I thought, like going back and, and rewatching The Last Jedi, that's when I picked up after someone told me that the footprints actually matter because I didn't yeah. catch that the first time. And right. them not directly referencing that in this book, Storms of Crate, it kind of bothered me a little bit. I was like, ah, you know, that's a missed opportunity there to pull in some more of that important visual storytelling. And they just kind of missed out on that. So oh. I, I've, I sound like I'm kind of crapping on the comic book, but <laughs> it's it's fine. It's fine. I also yeah. picked up Sons of Dathomir as well. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Nice. So I got, nice. I'm about three issues into it, loving it, loving what it's doing for the Rebels Mandalore arc for me. Yeah. Because you know how I'm always, when we're talking on our after show, I'm always like, ah, I'm never really into the Mandalorian stuff. But right. with that now, I'm going back and reading Sons of Dathomir. I'm like, I'm really enjoying this. I'm getting the co connective tissues here. I understand like Saxon's mentioned in this. You've got the Darth Maul connection to Mandalore and the Darksaber. It's really cool what they do in here. So retroactively or retrospectively looking at this book, I'm really enjoying it for the fact that I've watched the Rebels stuff, not the Clone Wars stuff. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I thought it was really cool because I picked up this book as well. I haven't dived into it yet, but I was always curious to read it because it's such a hard find at one point because it, it was a dark horse property, right? Yeah. So it was before the Disney bio, but now that they own it, they did decide to keep it as canon coming out of the extended universe, I guess. So um, I can't wait to see it, man, or, or read it because this is basically meant to be right out of the Clone Wars, this whole book. So, man, I'm excited to read it. Yeah, I think you'll really appreciate it coming from the Clone Wars era. And loving Rebels yeah. as well. It's going to be this nice connective piece in between the two of them. And finishing off that Darth Maul story for me. Because I, I've seen the conclusion of it in Rebels. I don't really know the details of it that well from the Clone Wars. But this is a really nice piece in there. And the art is great. And it sits, I guess, it must sit before Episode 3. I guess, of course, in the Clone Wars. Uh, yeah. Because you get D Dooku in there and the Emperor. And 
So it's it's great. Or I guess he's not emperor at this point, but Chancellor Palpatine. Right. But yeah. Um. So yeah, everything. Yeah, it's it's everything is hitting its stride in 2018 for me. I'm really happy. I got my vintage series. I got the vintage collection out, and Mark from TSW sent me over a list for my vintage action figures. And I'm super excited about getting them cataloged. And I've got, I think, about 52 of the 99. So I'm over halfway on the collecting. And my dad actually texted me today. He must have listened to last week's episode. He texted me and said, when I'm out and about, like, in stores and that, I'll make sure to check some of the bins at flea markets or whatever for you. So super excited to get back into vintage collecting. I got them all out, set up, cataloged. So, ah, yeah, 2018 has been a really great start like just from collecting perspective comp books and it's it's been it's oh, i'm just having a ton of fun right now yeah man across the board it's been great and it's only january we're just getting started yeah exactly <laughs> now speaking <laughs> about january we've we've graded into 2018 here and let's take a little bit of a look at the last jedi again just from a box office perspective so this movie continues to roll through and make a good amount of money it it's now perched itself at the top of the 2017 box office domestic grossing list so this overtakes beauty and the beast now sitting with approximately 572 million dollars domestically which is a pretty big haul and now that puts the last three years of star wars movies each year consecutively it's been the highest grossing domestic film in that year so we start off with the force awakens rogue one last year and now star wars the last jedi in 2017 so it's a pretty impressive feat given some of the backlash that has gotten and you look at domestic all time this is the sixth highest grossing film domestically of all time it not only sits behind the force awakens avatar titanic jurassic world and the avengers it just recently overtook rogue one and the dark knight so overall i think this is or can be considered, of course, a box office success. But some people are still saying it's a bit disappointing from that perspective. Like it's still sitting 13th all time worldwide with $1.2 billion right behind Iron Man 3. It looks like it's going to probably perch itself up eventually and take that top 10 spot from Beauty and the Beast this year, which sits with $1.263 billion. So it's only got a little ways to go to beat and crack that top 10, which I think it will do. How are you feeling about Star's Last Jedi theatrical run, the box office? Oh, it's a monster. It destroyed it, man. This is this is crazy. Anybody that will tell you this is a bomb, they're, they're nuts. This this movie made tons of bank. Disney's happy. Um, everyone's happy over there celebrating, man. This this movie made so much money, especially like what? It's it did a it's it's made a billion over over yeah one point two billion worldwide yeah yeah under a month of its release like yeah that's crazy this is nuts and it looks like it's gonna finish with probably in the range of about two hundred or so million dollars or actually more than that three hundred million dollars less domestically than the Force Awakens though wow which is a big number like Force Awakens domestically is sitting at nine hundred and thirty six million dollars I don't think anything is ever going to touch that wow I'm, I'm curious to wonder how force awakens did in china because the last jedi didn't do so well in china it did 28 mil and a movie that opened up in its second weekend was still number one in that box office over the last jedi which is crazy yeah it seems nuts that it didn't perform well there everyone was expecting yeah. big things like the marvel movies do really well in china yeah, Spider-Man cleaned up over there. Yeah, and so I'm not yeah. sure why there's a reluctance to see The Last Jedi because at the end of the day, I don't know how much 
Western or American critics or fans really influence the Chinese market. I can't see it influencing it that much. So I don't know if if they're just feeling the the strain of Star Wars in China or what the deal is, because I just can't really put my finger on why it would do. I don't, I don't, like twenty eight's a good number there, but yeah, like relatively poorly in yeah. China. Cause it's like, you look at some movies were doing like a hundred million dollars in their first weekend, some superhero films. And that's big money. Like China's starting to become and rival the American market to a degree. Definitely. With their movie releases. So it's becoming a market that's somewhat more catered to even the MCU has taken an opportunity, maybe not so blatantly as the transformers franchise, but they're starting to see and go to locales in Asia like you look at Age of Ultron, you look at what's been done in Iron Man three. So there's a there's a lot of opportunity there to include the Asian market, the Chinese market in these films because now you start to see them emerge as a massive market when it comes to box office. So yeah, I like seeing the worldwide total. You know, domestic was always quite heavily focused in on, but now you're looking at almost a sixty forty split for yeah. any given film between the worldwide and domestic halls, where the worldwide is the sixty percent. Well, yeah, because it's a big difference, right? I think it was even the last Terminator movie. It, it it bombed over here, but the Chinese market brought it up quite a bit, actually. Um, I think even when you go back to um, what's that cool movie with the with the robots? And I forgot the name of those guys. Um, Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim, exactly. It didn't do that great over here, but over in China, it helped out a lot to the point where we're getting a sequel now. Yeah. So it's it's a huge factor to take in. Yeah, it's massive. It's yeah. not the domestic market. Like even you go back to see even 2008 with Iron Man, the majority yeah. of the split was weighted towards the domestic market. And you fast forward just a few years to 2013, Iron Man 3, and a huge chunk of that film was the or the worldwide or the international market. And that's just over a span of 5 years or so, right? Yeah. And so you saw a big flip, especially with the superhero films and the big blockbusters like Transformers. They do yeah. poorly domestically, but the international market, and particularly Asia, is yeah. really propping a lot of these films up and getting sequels out of films that maybe we wouldn't have gotten even five or eight years ago. Right. So it's an interesting thing. And like I, I find the box office absolutely fascinating. Like just seeing these numbers, like sometimes you can look at it and be like, ah, you know, this isn't really important at the end of the day to say an average film goer but when you look at how it influences sequels and how it influences direction of films and and what gets portrayed you look at even the impact of the box office on wonder woman it made all this money and now she's got a sequel she's quite heavily focused in on in justice league so you're seeing the influence of the box office on films even just going forward a year or two into the justice league and wonder woman is a great example is that you saw things kind of shift towards wonder woman i think you're going to continue to see that because of her box office success and the fan reception which is also a reflection of the box office itself yeah 100% agree so it's it's crazy it's you know and you look at a movie like uh, jumanji welcome to the jungle like it's doing 245 million dollars domestically. This is like the ninth highest grossing film of 2017. Like it's it's quickly rocketing towards like Despicable Me and Thor Ragnarok. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that domestically. So it, it's it's wild because it pushed Logan out of the top ten films of 2017. Yeah. So it's 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 yeah. actually it's made more money domestically than the Justice League. 
Like put that that's in perspective. Scary. <laughs> yeah, that's oh man, poor WB. Yeah, that's Jeez. wild, right? <laughs> like it's that's a Sony film. Rock, it's a Sony man. franchise, and The Rock carries a huge amount yeah. of weight. Like Warner Brothers has got him signed up for Black Adam, but yeah. it's it's just crazy when you look at the top ten films here. Like the majority of them are what you would expect with Guardians and Spider Man Homecoming, Wonder Woman, and all that. Maybe a bit more of an anomaly there. It though. Yeah. Despicable Me, Jumont, like this is, it's it's wild year 2017 for films. Like, of course, Last Jedi and Beauty and the Beast and Guardians, you expect to be up there. But there's some, yeah. quite a few anomalies in here when you look at the domestic box office for 2017. Yeah, but, definitely some curveballs. Yeah. Yeah. But enough of looking backwards into 2017, man. Marvel. Wow. What are they doing here? They dropped another trailer on us for Black Panther. Now, this is at the, I think the national college championship or something to that effect cool i don't know anyways it's one of these tv spots they did this last year as well they gave us a film trailer for i don't even know what it was for maybe it doesn't matter but this was something that was rumored to maybe be the solo film as far as the trailer goes but it was black panther's a final trailer and it was called rise is the tv spot has been a minute and a half long and man this this really hypes it up yeah, no, this is cool, man. I mean, I'm already sold. This is one of my highest anticipated films for this year. So they already got my money, probably plenty of times over too. But um, I think this actually did a good job as a TV spot, speaking towards the whole general audience. If you don't know much about the character or the superheroes or any of that kind of stuff, I just felt a little more, a little more light, a little more fun towards everybody. So um, it looks pretty cool. And like you even mentioned too, it's a little bit more um, villain focused. Which, yeah. is, which is awesome. We see more Andy Serkis in this. Um, we got some of the one-liners that are, you know, kind of whatever for me. Uh, the biggest thing is, though, is the CGI looks way better this time around. Uh, when we finally see that, that car flip scene of Black Panther, this looks a lot better than the last time or the first time we saw him pull it off in the trailer, the first trailer we got. Because technically this is the third trailer, I believe. Yeah, between the teaser, the official trailer, and this kind of the final TV spot trailer. Yeah, so um, no, it looks really good. Man, man, my boy, Michael B. Jordan, like this guy's gonna kill it. Yeah, he's he gonna be awesome in this film. I can't wait to see uh, him and Chadwick Boseman go at it and the All Star cast. And man, I gotta say, uh, Angela Bassett, she just looks so cool. I know we see her for two seconds, but just seeing her with the white hair, I'm like, ah, oh, that should have been our Storm way back when they first did the X Men. Like she would have, <laughs> she would have killed it. She would have killed it. But either than that, man, yeah, I'm totally sold. I can't wait to see this film. What do you, what do you got? Yeah, man, like when I watch this, I, I it's usually I don't watch these trailers this late in the game because, you know, yeah. we only got like a month until this film comes out. But I watched it and I was pleasantly surprised because it didn't tell me any more than I already knew. And that's one thing that's been interesting about the Black Panther trailers is that I feel like I've gotten the same trailer three times. Like they don't really tell outside of here's T'Challa, Here's his sister. Here's this relationship that he has with Eric Killmonger and Michael B. Jordan's character. You get a little bit more Andy Serkis in this one, but not much more than we've already seen. There's some interrogation scene we see at the start of the film, presumably, with Michael B. Jordan's Eric Killmonger breaking him out. You get some stuff with T'Challa. You get some stuff with the suits. But outside yeah. of that, these are all, for the most part, just slightly extended scenes of what we've already seen before. So I feel like there's a lot hidden in this film. And to be honest with you, even the promo for this, there hasn't been a ton, I don't think. Like, no. when you look at it relative to some other movies that we've seen in the last year or so, I'm just not seeing the posters. You're starting to see some of the action figures in that. And yeah, it is a origin film, if we can call it that. So you, they usually don't get that same sort of presence that you see with Avengers or Iron Man or Captain America, of course. 
But overall, it seems like it's like it's playing almost like to this underground vibe. But I just have a feeling this thing's just gonna kill it at the box office. It looks absolutely fantastic. They've captured something special here with this cast, like stellar, stellar cast. And overall, like it got this trailer really got me thinking about one other thing. This feels like to me a combination of a Thor film, Captain America, and an Iron Man film all in one. You've got with the Thor side, you've got kind of this this royalty, the sense of hierarchy within Wakanda. You've got this brother relationship, I think, that we're going to see played out between Eric Killmonger, Michael B. Jordan, and Chadwick Boseman's Black Panther, T'Challa. And I'm really looking forward to that relationship there. Maybe they had some, they're close when they were younger, and then the tribe split off a bit. And then you've got, in T'Challa, you've got a lot of what I think are the basic elements of Captain America. You've got this altruistic man trying to do the right thing for his people. And then you've got the technology side of it with Iron Man. So you're seeing all really cool aspects of this character and taking the big three franchises of phase one and you're kind of melding it all together into this movie and then you're backdropping it with this incredible landscape of Wakanda. So to me, there's so many elements going for this. And then you look at the soundtrack also. They just announced they're putting out an album it's going to be absolutely incredible because they tweak the song here a little bit, fits really well, continues to just layer in that music that just amps us up to the next level. Yeah, man, the music, you, you mentioned it, dude. The, the music's cool. We get a lot of scenes again in this trailer that, you know, cuts in tune with the actual track itself that's playing in the background. And uh, I'm just a sucker for all that kind of stuff. So it looks so good. Can't yeah, wait for it. I'm, I'm so excited for this film. It's going to be a lot of fun to sit and review. It's probably, I think it's going to be one of those movies that probably need two viewings yeah i think it's gonna be a pretty dense film and then visually it's just gonna pop right off the screen like i think i think that there's a definitely like we said this is i think my most second most anticipated film even ahead of solo a star wars story and uh, like we said at the top man i don't know how long i'm gonna be able to resist these marvel legends i know they're making it tough they're making it tough man (laughs) and I just got to see those fight scenes between um, between Killmonger and Black Panther with Ryan Coogler doing the action. Ah, I can't wait. It's going to be great. Yeah, well, the tickets are now officially on sale. I think they went on sale in Fandago in the U.S., and they're available here at Landmark and Cineplex as well. Sanjay texted me today, and I unfortunately haven't had a chance to get back to him. I did like a 13-hour day at work today. But he's going to get us seats for the 7 o'clock viewing on the Thursday that it drops. And so if you haven't got your tickets yet, go out and get them. I don't think it's going to be a huge rush like a Force Awakens or Last Jedi. I think there's going to be plenty of seats, not based on the film actually doing poorly, but just based on the fact that it's not going to have the same presence as a Star Wars film. But I I really encourage you guys to get out there because we're going to be reviewing this the week after it comes out. We're going to try to do a little bit of a prelude episode here in a couple of weeks, just kind of rocking into Black Panther to help familiarize you guys with the character himself, his presence in the MCU, as well as what we think he's going to pull on from the comic book. So this might be something we bring in Chris from Alpha Comics in on a little bit more. Because we did our our Logan review, our prelude episode with him as well. So he might be able to provide a little bit more insight into Black Panther. Because one of the things that I always like to do after the films is go jump into the comic books for a little bit. And there's been some really great Black Panther runs as of late. Yeah, there's been a couple of runs going on, actually. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Really focusing in on Wakanda as a character and less of just a backdrop landscape. And yeah. what they're doing and, and pushing Black Panther to the forefront of Marvel Comics and flagging him as one of their kind of flagship superheroes, I think it's the right thing to do at this point because he looks like he's going to play a big part in Infinity War as well. 
Yeah, I'd imagine so, especially with the back end. Yeah, I mean, he's a king, right? So you yeah. have quite a bit of authority there to do some stuff, some serious damage. Yeah, and know? just looking at the Infinity War trailer, and it looks like a portion of it takes place in Wakanda, so we're probably yep. going to see a lot of teases for Infinity War towards the end of this film, likely an Infinity Stone, I would think, as well. So there's a lot of elements building into this. I'm really excited for this film, so make sure you guys get out there and see this. So let's switch gears here a little bit. Let's let's walk over to the DC side of things. Cool. So being a, a relatively light news week and all, we decided we wanted to cover a little bit on on DC hiring a producer, the Conjuring producer, Walter. Um, how do you say this? You said it before. I can't say it. <laughs> Uh, let me see where it is here. Walter, uh, I should be able to say this, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it's Walter Hamada. Hamada, there you yeah, go. Yeah, I think so. They, so he, they've hired him as the new president of the DC-based films in Warner Brothers. So taking a slight page out of Marvel Studios and hiring what appears to be someone to steer the DC ship going forward. Now, this is, I think, a good sign for DC. They've recognized the need for someone like a Kevin Feige to come in and construct this universe and keep it coherent, to keep the continuity in line. I know they've talked about focusing less on the continuity and pushing more the quality of the film, similar to what they do in the comic books. But I think at this point, a lot of people are looking to the DC extended universe to really shape up and get with the program. I think it's a good step. But overall, like, what do you think the first big step that this new president should make in correcting the path of the DC Extended Universe films for Warner Brothers? Yeah, you know, I honestly, um, before we even get into continuity and all this stuff, I think the biggest thing with having this um, this new guy here, uh, uh, Walter, is is the budget. And that's the biggest thing. The biggest biggest thing in this whole universe has been the budget, especially going back to uh, Justice League. They got their ass handed to them, you know, only making 96 mil opening weekend of the movie yeah. pretty much cost about 450 mil to put together, including the marketing and the reshoots. So that was huge. Whereas this guy's taking no horror films that basically bring in, you know, they're, they're, they're a small budget, but they bring in a high profit for what they were working with. Right. They're not doing these movies for 150 million. They're doing these movies for like 75, maybe even 90 mil and turn it a high profit. And I think this guy is the one to do it. I think they really need to crank down that budget a bit here. And I think it's cool too, that they decide to go this route as opposed to like making Jeff Johns someone higher. I think yeah. it's good that you need to make, you need to hire somebody that makes movies and films, not someone that's like a comic book nerd, like you and I, you know, cause what do we know about movies? <laughs> you know, Apparently how, everything. How to make them. <laughs> yeah. What do you know about how to make a movie? But um, yeah, I think you, you got to go with a guy like this and uh, I'm excited, man. I, I really hope they can kind of, you know, crank down that list a bit, you know, stop handing us all these new movies like just sleep dark and uh, Gotham, Gotham sirens and yeah. all this other stuff, you know, just really focus in on like the bat universe and wonder woman and Superman and, and the Nightwing and all that kind of stuff if you want, but don't give us too much stuff because they haven't stepped in the right direction yet. And I, I just think this is the right guy, the right choice to do, uh, to do the job. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't really know much about this guy as a producer, as a filmmaker, but I like the idea that they've recognized that they need someone helming, the ship here and i think the big things that he needs to do is he needs to take a step back and say all right we're gonna start with origin films of a sort 
and build the universe up from the ground floor. I don't think they need to go into Flashpoint right yet or crossovers, but what they need to do is take, say, a big three, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, and Batman, even four, Superman, and push these characters into good, solid solo films so you get a fan base behind each individual character and then worry about crossovers later. They need to relay and reconstruct a big framework around this universe that people can get excited about and people can get attached to, emotionally attached to characters and wanting to see the films rather than just feeling obligated to see them because they're DC fans or because they're comic book lovers. I think that's the first big step is take a step back, wipe even that slate that they just announced clean and say, yeah. no, this is what we're going to do. We're going to start off with Aquaman and Wonder Woman. We're going to give you a Batman film. We're going to give you some sort of Superman film. And then we'll talk about what's next. Get your big pillars established and then move forward with the universe from there. I don't think they need to focus in on Suicide Squad 2 or anything oh. like that. Like, look at Marvel didn't do Guardians of the Galaxy until well into phase two. Yeah. They could take a risk at this point because they just had a screaming success of the Winter Soldier. They had Iron Man one through three. They had a Thor franchise that, yes, although wasn't on the most solid foundation, they still had a good character coming out of the success of the Avengers. So they had really established something big before they decided to take huge risks. And that's what they need to step back and do. Establish your pillars, make a foundation, create a, a framework, and then move from there. So I think, if anything, take a step back, and look at your big characters and progress them independently while seeding and tying threads throughout this universe. Yeah, definitely agree. But I, I, it's, it's, it's good they're making this kind of decision. I'm glad they, they see there is an issue, there is a flaw in their model here because they've been taking a beating and it's about time they've actually decided to do something about it. Yeah. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm still confused actually a little bit though because just just recently um, Ben Affleck's announced that obviously it's coming out that he wants to direct the Batman film now. I'm which, is, which is crazy. <laughs> so with this guy, with this guy in charge, I'm hoping they put a more of a lid on some of these things because another thing that's been happening with this world is we've been hearing too many movies of all sorts coming out or too many cast choices. Just so much that's been happening and nothing's really been delivered. I hope they really put a tight lip or a tight lid on some of this stuff and just contain, contain this universe, you know? Exactly. And that, that comes down to the kind of reestablishing the foundation is mm -hmm. let's go back to basics here. Yes. Right. We don't need to jump into a flashpoint and like maybe you, you know, we've talked about this. Maybe you do need to reboot it in that way, but start your reboot without doing flashpoint and just kind of take a step back. Like it's, it's funny because Marvel is so particular about their slate. They've only, even when they announced the whole of phase three, they've only had slight tweaks and it was really the addition of Spider-Man and the subtraction of Inhumans, which overall is, it was a great move on their part, right? Taking out a, a, what looked to be some sort of project that was taking the place of X-Men and maybe put it on the back burner and it eventually got turned into something horrible. But then they inserted <laughs> Spider-Man into this universe and got homecoming out of it. So right. at the end of the day, they they've announced the slate. They stuck to their guns, which tells me that they had this planned out. It wasn't just something that was thrown at the wall and they said, okay, let's figure out what sticks, what's doing well in, in justice league, what's doing well over here. So yeah. it's, it's what they've done is they've said, this is our, our plan. We're going to stick to it. And we're going to see how this evolves out into the back end of Infinity War. And it's worked out rather well for them. So why not work? Why wouldn't it work for DC? Exactly. So yeah. anyways, 
to all our DC fans, to all our DC lovers out there, I think this is a good step, even though that all sounded relatively negative. I think this is a good direction for a DC <laughs> film universe. <laughs> all right, man. It's it's time to slide over into our favorite topic for the podcast, and that's cool. talking a little bit of Star Wars. Of yes. course, of course. We've mentioned a little bit about The Last Jedi and its box office success. And now the video, or Blu-ray, I should say, video, that rages me a little bit. The Blu-ray <laughs> release is rumored by the digital bits to be coming out as of March 27th. Now, this puts it relatively in line with The Force Awakens and Rogue One. And looks to be that we're going to get some deleted scenes. I think Ryan Johnson already mentioned there's going to be quite a few deleted scenes on this Blu-ray disc. Hopefully, it comes with the digital code. Of course, it's come with the steelbook. Are you excited to to pick this up in just a short few months and rewatch this in your own home theater? Yeah, it's it's crazy, man. I can't wait. I can't wait to see this film. I, I know, obviously, I mentioned before, it's not my my favorite Star Wars film, and I'll probably add Canto Bite as my personal deleted <laughs> scene. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, I know I can't wait to dive in and you know just pick at everything and absorb. All, all the stuff that I've missed because no matter how many times I see this in theaters, I'm obviously going to miss some things. So, um, yeah, no, I can't wait. I, I definitely want to see the behind the scenes. I really do hope with the behind the scenes you get something like we got with the prequels. I feel no matter what people want to say about the prequels, when you got the, the Blu-rays or the DVDs, they gave you so much behind the scenes stuff. It's crazy. And I really do hope we get more because – um, Force Awakens, I love the movie, but I feel like we didn't get that much content. Not the not the best content. I almost feel like Rogue One gave us more, actually. Actually, Rogue One did give us more uh, behind-the-scenes stuff, and that was great. A lot of the special features. So I do hope that Ryan Johnson was able to uh, pull up some cool stuff that we can all see and cherish here with... Uh, yeah, the video release or the, the home release of uh, Last Jedi. Yeah, they seem a bit more reluctant with The Force Awakens to release deleted scenes, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. There was, I think, that one where Kylo goes on the Millennium Falcon. There's that weird snow speeder chase with Finn and Rey that was never yeah. in a film, that was never even really complete. And there's a few others that added some extensions, even in the... Uh, in Maz's castle, you see Chewie rip off Ankar Plot's arms. Yeah. And so there's always a question that comes with deleted scenes. Are they considered canon or not? And I can't wait to have that debate because what if it changes the perspective of some of the scenes that we see in The Last Jedi that maybe we had particular issues with? Or yeah. Is there an extended sequence on something that actually brings a bit more light or, or brings a bit more or maybe less levity to a certain scene and brings up that dramatic element that some people were looking for and, and kind of tones down that comedic angle that they were taking on particular scenes by adding a bit more of a dramatic twist Mm -hmm. so i'm interested to see if it's if it's whole scenes my guess is a lot of it's going to be focused in on canto bite yeah i have to say a lot of the deleted scenes from there maybe showing some other characters or or just kind of elaborating a bit more in there because it seemed like although it was a, a relatively large chunk of the film that they could have shot a ton of stuff in there that was never really used and mm-hmm. just almost like B-roll footage. So I'm interested to see if there's actually going to be a lot of super relevant deleted scenes. You know, we're always looking for maybe something more on Act 2 or something more on Crate. But I yeah. don't really know if we're going to get much in there. Because you don't want to risk stepping a bit on canon or a bit on the narrative that was told in The Last mm-hmm. Jedi. So your deleted scenes do put that at risk to a degree. Yeah, if they're considered canon or not, I, I really don't know. It's it's hard to say. I think, 
But at the end of the day, I don't think there's going to be anything in there that conflicts with the story that Ryan Johnson told. No, I I mean, even if we get some really cool stuff going again, back to like Revenge of the Sith and we've got some of the, the choreography for the yeah. fighting or Winter Soldier in Civil War, they do it too, right? We get to see like the combat and the choreographer, the fight choreographer. I, I want to see some of that with like Ray. I'd love to see some of that stuff. And Carrie Fisher, like I hope yeah. we get a lot of Carrie Fisher kind of tributes going on there and just what it was like working with her on that to her final film, unfortunately. Yeah, that would so. be really cool to see. And, you know, if you remember, there's that vignette that they showed, that short video, I think at Celebration this past year. Similar to the, I don't know if it was Celebration or not, but similar to the one they did for Rogue One as well, where they showed some of the behind the scenes and some of the stuff yes. on Crate would be really cool. How they created that landscape and used that, the red pop and all that. And right. even the fighting, like we saw some scenes already with Rey and Kylo obviously fighting in the uh, Snook throne, throne room scene. So mm-hmm. just a, more of that. Yeah, I agree. Just seeing how the movie was pulled together. And I think watching those two, you get a real feel for the passion that was put into the film by Ryan Johnson, right? It really gives you an impression that everyone on set was having a good time. There's good chemistry there. And that brings, I think, a little more realism to the film that this is an art. This is something that someone created and they put time, effort, blood, sweat, and tears into this. It's not something that was slapped onto the screen just to make $500 million domestically. It was right. it was a passion for a man for three years. Yeah. And I'm not trying to defend his what he's done maybe in that film. There's a lot of things that are not maybe so much a lot, but there's a few things I disagree with in there. And of course, everyone's open or has their own opinion on this and are able to. It's a subjective media, this, this art form. But... It's cool to see the effort that's put into that. And that's, that's why I always have such a hard time. Well, maybe not a hard time, but <laughs> taking <laughs> apart some things because you have to realize too that people put a lot of effort into these things and they've put what they think is their best effort into it. And I don't know, sometimes sometimes I feel bad for how I treat films, but not all the time because I think they're very obvious mistakes. <laughs> Anyways, this is a so therapeutic session for me here that I'm going to get off. <laughs> all right, man. So... Star Wars Rebels. We don't have a date yet for its return, but presumably it's within the next couple of weeks. We're going to get a season four trailer for the back half of this, for the end of Rebels. I got to ask, man, are are you starting to get a little nervous? Are you starting to feel the pressure here with Rebels ending? Uh, I'm not so much just because... um... I haven't been, I, and I'm probably in the minority here, I haven't been the biggest fan of, of this season. I know a lot of people love it. For me, I'm still holding on to season two of Rebels. I, I, I feel like that was the best. We got Vader, we got Ahsoka, we got some of the best fights. The score was great. Uh, last season was cool, obviously, with um, Obi-Wan sending off Darth Maul. Oh, Spoiler alert. So you good. Know, that was great. But this season, apart from the Saw Gerrera episode... Nothing else has really, really got me into this uh, season. I, I, I didn't care much for the, the Mandalorian stuff at the beginning. No. I feel like that could have been part of season three. So it was almost a throwaway. But um, I'm really hoping this half, though, steps it up and just full tilt gives us some connective tissues, more so even to Rogue One. And just I want some more of the Jedi stuff. I really want to see more of that stuff go on. I want more of this the Kanan and Ezra. I, I, I want to know more about this wolf, obviously. Yeah. Um, Ah, yeah, so I can't wait for that stuff. But um, I, I'm I'm ready though, honestly. Going at, going into this show um, on its final season, I'm ready for us to you know step forward and get into a new animated series of some sort, whether it be Sabine or whether it be um, a Luke 
uh, journey between yeah. episodes six and seven. Oh, like that's I, I'm just ready to move on and get somewhere outside of uh, this era of Star Wars because we mentioned it before. I feel like we need to get away from this between episode three, four kind of era, or this Rogue One episode four yeah. era. I just want to get away from there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm I'm kind of ready to I think for the ending. It's going to be sad to see it send off. And I, I, I agree with you, too, with this season as I've, I've really enjoyed it. But I remember saying when we first started talking about Rebel season four, I must have said 100 times that it was only 10 episodes because that's what I thought it was. And it turns yeah. out it's 15 or so. I think 10 episodes might have been better because yeah. it feels like this is it almost feels like, you know, how we always say about Netflix. Oh, you could have punted out one or two episodes. They yeah. could have probably done that with the front half of the season It's condensed a few of these into tighter stories i think yes. maybe is is some of my issues with rebel season four is it's almost like a jj abrams lost thing is right. that there's so many answers we need before the end of season four that i feel like we're getting to the last couple episodes and i'm like oh my god we haven't answered anything about the jedi really right you know we you've, you've put in this new element of the wolf we've got the x-wings but what's next what's what's going on with thrawn are we going to see, you know, at Vader or the Emperor or what's the deal? Like, are we going to mention the Death Star, like Krennic right. or like we've seen mentions and, you know, what about Tarkin? So there's a lot yeah. that they need to do in these last few episodes. And I feel like we're getting so close to the end and we just haven't gone down that path yet. Yeah. So I'm a bit worried that we're going to feel slightly let down by the end of it. It's the same way going into, and this again is headcanon fan expectation. It's not maybe Mm -hmm. the faults of Filoni or the creative crew. It's more our fault for putting all this together over the last couple of years. But there's a lot to address here. And I can't help but feel that we're going to be slightly disappointed by the end when we don't have all of the answers. Like what happened? Like maybe it's left relatively ambiguous. What happens to Thrawn or Sabine or Kanan, Ezra, like all of these characters, Zeb, like we know what happens to Chopper and Hera, right? That that's all we know that progressed beyond this. So there's a lot of characters to wrap up here, even in with Rex, like there's, of course, I think he ends up in return of the Jedi. Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. But, and that's a fun retcon. Yeah. But there's a lot to do in this last few episodes, and I'm kind of worried. Well, that's just it. And we've been mentioning it before since we uh, you know, started the other podcast there is you got to kind of start killing off some of these characters. Or if you're not going to kill them off, you at least got to end their storyline and put them somewhere else. And they haven't been doing that. And it's going to be pretty hard in your season finale to dismiss you know, a handful of characters from uh, Zeb and, um, and, and Ezra and Kanan and... Um, What's the new guy they got now too? Callus. Callus. Uh, hot Callus. Like, <laughs> you know, like, like how are you gonna, how are you gonna do this? And then, and then there's Thrawn himself as well. So, they, they, it's been tricky. I feel like they should have done some things a couple seasons back, or even each season, by solely, you know, putting these other characters on a different path, or just ending the story there. Um, but it's gonna be, it's gonna be a hard job for them to, uh, to finish off this season. And I, I am a little worried. I'm a little worried what they're gonna do with these characters. Yeah, because at the end of the yeah. day, I think. Each one of these characters is worthy of an individual episode to end their arcs. Yeah. Like, you need an episode to end Zeb's arc. Like, I just don't want it to be one of these things where, and maybe it will be, maybe it will finish like Empire Strikes Back, where the ghost literally just flies off and everyone's standing looking at something, like maybe Yavin again, or, or I don't know. 
the destruction of the Death Star, maybe. And that's just all we get. We we get this now idea that they're just out there. They set up a base on Alderaan. Yeah. And that's how they... <laughs> Boom! See, that's, that's an ongoing theory. But I just, some of it... Like, I feel some of it is just going to be left relatively ambiguous. Like, yeah. Like, are they going to go down the path on a children's show of, of killing Zeb and, say, Kanan? Right. I, I don't well, know. That's the thing, because they can't Ahsoka the way out of everything, right? Because that was left very open, you know? Uh, yeah, I have my and, opinions on that. But. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> I just, I think they need to commit to something. And, um, you know, even though that, that Ahsoka's ending is kind of left open, whether you think she's dead or not, you can't treat the rest of these other characters like that. No. You got to give us something more, right? Even the Bendu itself kind of just disappeared, you know, yeah. that they introduced. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's exciting. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm pumped about it. I don't want to yeah. put a damper on. I'm really excited to see the end of this because I've For really sure. enjoyed the last three and a half seasons, mm-hmm. but I just want to make sure that because they chose to end it this way mm-hmm. and not so much the way that Clone Wars got ended, I just yeah. hope Floney puts a final stamp on this before he moves on to bigger and better that he said, this is the way I want to end these characters that have become fan favorites. Mm-hmm. And I just don't want to leave it ambiguous so that we can pick them up in a comic book or something else later on. I'm happy. And I think Hera is going to get something bigger later on, but I don't see any of these other characters going much further than this. Right. So, well, another film another part of Star Wars that we really need to discuss because there's been all sorts of leaks lately. It's solo a Star Wars story. And now these leaks haven't come in the form of set photos or a leak trailer. It's come through Lego leaks. And this is something that's become somewhat of a tradition almost or a constant area where we're seeing leaks from is Lego. And they, they start to reveal a little bit about maybe some of the major action sequences. I wouldn't take everything we see in here for face value on these Lego leaks. Now you have to scour the internet for them because they're not up on any sites that we're particularly associated with for the exact reason that they're leaks and Lego doesn't want them up. And neither does Lucasfilm. Nope. But at the end of the day, it's funny to see how much toys actually reveal about films. And this one, we got almost the whole set here. And one of the first things I want to focus in on is that art that we got. Now, Lucasfilm and Disney explicitly said this is not real art. This is not promotional art. But these boxes are absolutely littered with this art, this Han, Chewie, Lando, and what the character now we know is named Kira. So now that we know or we think we know that this art is, in fact, real, Again, what are your overall thoughts on this and using yellow as the major color base for Solo, a Star Wars story? Yeah, well, you know, using the yellow for the color base, that's cool. That works for me if this if this is legit and it, it seems like it is going off of these uh, promotional boxes, then that's cool. But um, it's, it's a kind of a bad Photoshop. Um, <laughs> just, just looking at Chewie and then the hand placement over Han's shoulder, that's a little weird. You know, then how you kind of crop out the image with like the the smoke like the cloud and then you have the millennium falcon like that looks kind of cartoonish and out of place of the tone of where i at least i think this movie's going so that's a little different i think donald glover looks really cool and i think um han solo looks great if that's the look they're going for then yeah that then that works for me but the other two images behind him um the chewy and um the, the, the actress from game of thrones i don't know why i forgot her name all of a sudden Kira. Uh, Kira. Clark. 
Amelia Clark. Yeah, exactly. Um, those two look a little out of place for me. So it's just a little bit weird. But honestly, I do like this color scheme more than The Last Jedi, if that's the case. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. It's good. It contrasts it very nicely. You had yeah. that focus on black, gray, and green for Rogue One. Red yeah. was really much the focus of The Last Jedi. And this yellow, it's something new. It pops differently. I, I really like it. This this promo art, I think Solo looks, he looks good. Yeah, Chewie, I agree with you. It's kind of funny, but I saw some other promo art that was leaked, and it had him carrying kind of like this big, huge blaster, not the bowcaster. Oh, so okay. I don't know if this image is oddly photoshopped to hide that fact. And his bandolier looks a little different too. It looks like he's got some sort of grenades or something on it. Okay, um, but so I don't know if they're hiding a little something in this art. I, I'm not sure, but overall, I think I think it looks good. It, it's fine. It's good for that promotional top right corner on Lego sets, and I'm assuming this is what maybe the action figure box is going to look like as well. Yeah. But yeah, let's let's talk about some of these these leaked images here. So we're going to start off yeah. here with one of the land speeders. So it looks like we're going to get some sort of chase sequence, I would guess, because we've got a Han Solo land speeder, which is kind of reminiscent of that image I think we got on New Year's Day from Ron Howard as a tweet with him holding the steering wheel of this dragster looking thing. So there's this blue kind of hot rod land speeder looking thing. So it looks like some sort of weird mixture of an American graffiti car and something mm-hmm. out of the Star Wars universe. So this looks like it's going to be Han Solo's speeder. And then we've got also, which looks to be from maybe a similar action set piece, is this other speeder. And it looks like maybe something from Corellia because also on this other action speeder, this is 7520. This looks like, I'm having a hard time. Some of this is a bit lower resolution. Uh, Moloch's land speeder, I think it's saying. And it comes with a couple of minifigures. Don't really recognize much here. But it's also another speeder. But it's these Corellian dogs or Corellian hounds, which makes me think that this is going to be something from earlier on in the film, some sort of chase sequence, maybe showing off Han Solo as kind of this rogue rebel that's doing rebel in the sense of not rebel, but (laughs) just a a rebel in the sense that James Dean was. But I think we're going to get a nice kind of chase sequence here, our first kind of open to Han Solo with this drag race maybe of some sort. So kind of fun, something a little different, maybe a little bit more reminiscent of a pod race. Yeah. So it's kind of cool to see that. I like these this little Lego sets that we're getting. Um, we also get what looks to be some sort of almost uh, speeder bike type thing with these new range troopers on them. So we spoke last week about the Black Series, and we're getting range troopers as these new troopers. Every Star Wars film seems to introduce a trooper. And these guys look like a combination of a storm trooper and a death trooper, I think, just with the, the base look at their mask. Yeah. So it's interesting to see a different type of storm trooper. You get a nice uh, image here that I think we've seen from set photos as to exactly what this thing looks like. It looks like a combination of a, of a speeder from episode six and Ray's speeder almost. Yeah, I see that. That's cool. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, so these that. rain yeah, troopers cool. look cool too. I'm, I'm excited to get the black series of these. And then we've got a TIE fighter in here as well. Got to so, have that. Uh, yeah, that's a big one. And the interesting thing about the TIE fighter actually is the minifigures it comes with. So it comes with this Mimbam Stormtrooper, which is it's interesting because... When I looked at it for the first time, you just kind of glaze over it. You see it's got kind of this worn look. There's a lot of this, 
it almost looks like this gray paint flicks all over a few of these characters, actually. If you go to some of the ones from Corellia, they've also got this similar looking gray paint flicks on it. So I'm not sure exactly what that is, but this Stormtrooper here, it looks and it has a Captain Phasma feel to it. The, this character seems to be rocking a cape. Uh, it has a bit more, not so much the chrome vibe, but something a little bit different as far as a stormtrooper, are you getting that same kind of vibe off this off this new trooper here? Oh yeah, I definitely see it. It's like a dirty uh, phasma, like yeah. phasma in a trash compactor, I guess that that made it out. But um, no, it looks looks pretty cool. I, I like how it has like that Rogue One lived in look, you know, exactly. kind of grungy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then also with this set too, we've got Han Solo in what appears to be an Imperial disguise as well, and we also get the name of. Woody Harrelson's character. We knew it was Beckett, I believe, but now we get a first name in Tobias Beckett, also in what appears to be some sort of Imperial disguise. So it looks like at least at this point in the film, Han and Beckett, and Beckett is, I guess, meant to be his mentor, are working together. Now, I don't know if this is meant to be, this is Han Solo at the training academy, the Imperial Training Academy, or if they've infiltrated in some sort of way to accomplish some sort of whether it's smuggling something or whatever their overall plan is here, or whatever the arc that we're going to see them in has them going into some sort of Imperial facility. But overall, I, I'm still leaning on the edge that Beckett, Tobias Beckett, is the main villain of this film because there's a few guys in here in these Lego sets. Maybe this Minban Stormtrooper, but I don't really see at this point, at least from these sets, a real standout as to who the main villain is going to be. Hmm. Like, are you, are you getting that same kind of vibe? There's a couple of guys here which look like from Corellia. That's one guy's got a whip here that maybe looks like he's in charge of the dogs in the same way that we had the Rancor yeah. keeper and that. And they've got this weird guy with this helmet on, this very alien. He's got some sort of staff in his hand. These are sort of like cronies that are maybe chasing Han Solo at the start of the film. But like, do you see out of all these 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 different sets, and we're gonna get to the Falcon set in a second, but do you see anyone that looks like an obvious villain? Other than uh, the Imperial, other than the Empire? Not really. I mean, no, no, there really isn't anyone. I guess if I had to put my money on it throughout this movie, it'd probably be Woody Helson's character. Yeah, that's what I think it is. Yeah, turned out to be the big bad. But going off of just these Lego guys, man, I can't wait to see the set design. Like, I can't wait to see these guys on the big screen. Like, how cool these guys are going to look. Lando looks dope. Like, he looks wicked with the pop collar and the yellow he looks so cool. And and the Han Solo looks really good. Like, the Han Solo looks just like the actor. I know it's Lego, but he really, like, from the hair and everything, he really looks just like um, Aaron Wright, is it? Yeah, uh, Alden Aaron Wright. Aaron Wright. Yeah. Uh, Chewie looks a little different. I was going to ask you about that. So, compared to your other Lego sets, does Chewie, is it the same kind of sculpt or, or what? He looks more dog-like here than, yeah, than he, ever before. he does. Now, Chewie comes with the Millennium Falcon set which looks like the big set that i'm definitely getting my hands on we're gonna talk about to the changes to the falcon in just a second but oh yeah i think it's good to talk about chew here because that's something coming out of the promo art that i noticed as well is that he does have a slightly different look to them like his head looks a bit more elongated and yeah. you're right it looks more dog like but one of the things that i'm noticing here now is that he's got two bandoliers on or at least something that's cross-cutting that we're not used to seeing so it gives him a bit more um of like over the shoulders and that and he's holding a gun and not the bowcaster Right. So we're, we might see where Chewie gets the bowcaster from in this film. I, I can't remember. Did we see him use it in Revenge, Chewie? Did he have it in that film? 
I f- don't know if yeah. we did see him with it or not. I, That's I can't a good remember. Point. I remember because I just watched that movie and I, I just wasn't really paying attention to Chewie because I just wasn't really thinking about it until now. So, yeah, I wonder. That's a good point. But, yeah, he yeah. does look a little different. Lando, like you said, looks great from this. Yeah. We get Kira, which is really a Clark's character, comes with this Millennium Falcon set. So it looks like she's going to be aligned with Han Solo through this, as we kind of expected. And one of the big things here that comes with, or at least the wording that comes with this Millennium Falcon set, is it's the Kessel Run. So it looks like we're going to finally get to see the Kessel Run. But it looks like it might be with a Falcon that looks remarkably different than the Falcon we're used to. I'm sitting here looking at what (laughs) came out of the Force Awakens box, which is very similar to what we got in the original trilogy. And it doesn't really look a lot like this. This is very white. It's pristine. It's missing the mandibles at the front. So it looks very different. It's got a lot of these blue pops that we're not used to. What are your thoughts on the look of the Millennium Falcon for Solo? Well, again, uh, going right back to Revenge of the Jet or Revenge of Sith, um, we see the Millennium Falcon for like two brief seconds and it looks more like the original Millennium Falcon as opposed to this one. So I don't know if it was stripped down in Revenge because we only see it for like two seconds, not even. And then it got repainted here and then it kind of gets just stripped down again because this is more white and blue than originally later on. It's great. Great, yeah. Right? So so that's kind of weird. So maybe it wasn't the Millennium Falcon in Revenge. Maybe it's just another ship that looks very similar. I know. The YT freighter type thing. Yeah, because I know going back to like Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic, your main ship is something similar to this Falcon as well, but it's not the Falcon. So I guess it's a common ship. But um, all in all, I, I get it. I mean, it's the way to sell more toys, obviously, right? Definitely. You know, you change the color and all that kind of stuff, and people are going to buy it. And uh, no, I, I dig the new color. I dig the new look. It's it's cool. I yeah. like it. So it's definitely got me hooked into this, into buying the set for sure. Because do I need another Millennium Falcon that looks exactly like the one I built a couple years ago? Probably not. But do I need this? 100%. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm quite far behind actually on my Lego builds. But these, all these sets look great. Like I'm really liking what I'm seeing here from all these characters. Yeah. And I guess the only few characters that we haven't talked about. So there's a red Kessel operations droid. There's DDR something. I can't really read the bottom, but it looks like some sort of astromech. And Quay Tolsite. Now, I'm not sure who this character is. It comes in the Millennium Falcon set. Maybe this is someone that's a bit more, maybe could be a villain of the film. But, like, I'm wondering, too. Like, we're always looking for this good versus evil type arcs in Star Wars. But do we need that in Han Solo? Can this just be a film about Han Solo, someone kind of living on the edge, and eventually you have what we, I think we both agree, being Woody Harrelson's character and Beckett, turning on him at some point, and that being your protagonist-antagonist type of role, or arc, or narrative that you're going to get in the film, and this just more just following Han Solo doing crazy stuff, weaving in and out of the Empire's grasp, and trying to just be Han Solo, make money, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, definitely. I think this could just be more so like what they've been saying. It's just a gangster flick and set in the Star Wars world. You'll see stormtroopers, but they're not really the threat. You yeah. might hear, you know, talks of Vader, but he's not the the overlooking bad guy. It's just going to be a gangster flick set in this world. And I think that'd be pretty cool, whether it's, you know, Han um, 
having to pay Jabba back the money. Like maybe this is the beginning of why Han has to owe Jabba the, all that dough. Probably is. I mean, we'll probably see some kind of connection. We'll probably see the huts and some dealing of spice. But I don't think there's going to be like some crazy overarching bad guy. It might just be like a follow-up between Han and um, Beckett. And, and Beckett, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. that's all it needs to be. It needs to tell a story. Because <laughs> there's, if you look, there's a lot of things that could or may be addressed within this film you, you mentioned one right there about the huts where why is there's this bounty on his head exactly. the relationship to boba fett he seems to know who boba fett is you know how did he win the, the millennium falcon from lando the kessel run like there's all this lore in han solo that we need to understand and how yes. did he become this swindler that everyone knows like there's there's so much to explore in this film that i don't think they need to have a true good versus evil type battle in here. This mm-hmm. has to be about a man on the periphery trying to live his life. And yep. that's it. And you're going to see, of course, you're going to see that light in Han Solo where he's going to show this selfish end of him and probably come around to save Lando or Kira or someone at the end of the day, the same way he does it in, in episode four. They're probably going to play to that a little bit, I would think, mm-hmm. on how he's always kind of walking this fine line between being completely selfish and self-motivated and actually a good altruistic person. So I think they're going to play some of that in here. And I, I think this is going to be great. Like there, it's funny. It's hard because I want to be really excited about this film, but because we haven't gotten anything, it's hard to sink your teeth into it. But these Lego sets just, just themselves have done so much for me for yeah. this film. Like I love every one of these sets and I love that they're all, speeders or ships or whatever because i'm not huge on the play sets because they don't display well but all these ships display really well in the nerve room in that so i'm going to probably get at least the tie fighter and definitely the falcon and probably even some of the smaller sets so like already looking at solo just from a collecting perspective you got all these legos the pops of course are going to be good we've got some indications as we talked about last week about who's going to be in the first wave with a lando han and a range trooper in the Black Series. So this is shaping up already to be a lot of fun from the collecting perspective. Now we just need that trailer. Yes. Yes, we really do. <laughs> do we ever need this trailer more than ever right now? Because yeah. looking at this stuff, I want to see these guys' live-action counterparts because I just think all the design looks so cool. Exactly. And it looks a little different than things we've seen before in the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be great because Ron Howard even tweeted out, someone tweeted out, are we going to get a solo trailer? And he tweeted back, now that episode eight is out there, it won't be long now. Nice. So some of the rumors coming off comicbookmovie.com and a few other websites is that it's going to actually drop this Friday, January 12th on Good Morning America. Now we've seen Good Morning America debut quite a bit of, of film trailers and news drops from Star Wars and Marvel, being that it's owned by ABC, which is owned by Disney. So there's... A nice line of sight, I think, towards solo trailer within the next couple of weeks. I'm hoping sooner than that, but it's time for them to head this off and say, all right, here's our product. This is what we're going to deliver, guys. Let the hype train start. Because it's it's hard because we're coming off the back end of The Last Jedi, and this is the first time we're going to have films this close together. Yeah. And so you're going to be almost dropping the Blu-ray for The Last Jedi finishing rebels and then walking into a solo film right like it's it's gonna be a crazy three months in star wars like there's a lot to consume there and a lot to get into and a lot to talk about which is good for us oh yeah 
Yeah, no, um, I, can't, I can't wait for this trailer to drop because I think more than ever, we, we need it. It's kind of crazy. It's kind of bizarre that we haven't gotten anything, especially this film out of any Star Wars film has been the most shaky. You know, we've heard we've heard our fair share of problems go on with this film behind the scenes Definitely. and whatnot. Right. And I think it's um it's time for a trailer to drop and kind of course correct things. Um you know, you mentioned a point about this this movie going a little bit back when you're talking about the Legos, how it'd be cool to see the Han Solo character kind of be a little bit more like what we see in episode four, like that light Han Solo. Yeah. But um, I think it's, was it Corey or Kyle? One of those guys mentioned it. And when they mentioned this, this kind of got my interest a bit more. And how cool would it be to see this film start off with like Han Solo maybe being that character, being kind of light, but then kind of seeing go a little darker and, and kind of turn more into like the, the selfish Han Solo, he kind of turns his back on people, and which is why it's called Solo, because um, he because he kind of ends up as a, a, a solo character. And I, I think it, I think it's Kyle that brought that up, and uh, I got to give him a shout out because when he kind of made that theory, that really made me kind of have more interest in this film. That feels kind of cool and kind of fresh for this character, what they can do. So I hope we see something like that, but we just don't know because we haven't gone anything. We haven't got anything out of this this movie so far, and I just need to know what this whole film is about. So, man, Friday cannot come soon enough. Well, fingers crossed. I don't know. That's yeah. just a rumor. It could be. Right. Like, I think the first time we're going to see this thing theatrically is going to be attached to Black Panther, but I don't yeah. think that's going to be the first time the trailer drops. There's right, going to be okay. a little bit of a lull here at the back end of The Last Jedi and before the Black Panther hype train really picks up. They're going to have a nice window where they're not treading too much on their own product mm-hmm. and i think that they need to take advantage of that window and drop a freaking solo trailer right in the middle of it yes so, yes gotta set that tone man i gotta know where they're going with this film yeah definitely overall i think yeah. this is probably the most positive discussion and most excited we've been for solo a star wars story on the podcast and for sure. I'm, I'm right on this hype train now like i've always been for this film but i've always been waiting for the hook these lego leaks are that hook for me now i'm waiting to be fully embraced by the trailer and just have it just pull me right back in to another star wars story the same way that rogue one did that i'm looking Mm -hmm. for han solo for solo a star wars story to do the same thing for me here so really excited about all this i'm happy we got some of these lego leaks and got some higher res images of this exciting stuff here Piecing together the film from Lego sets is always a ton of fun. <laughs> and Tarkin, Star Wars, Marvel, and DC is always a lot of fun. This has been kind of a relatively light news week. And I'm expecting that to somewhat continue going a little bit forward here. We've got maybe a, a bit more of a, a lull here until we get into February. But come February, man, I think with Black Panther, Infinity War train hyping up. we got Rebels. We've got... Han Solo, of course. We got Deadpool 2 dropping in June, I believe. So there's a lot to talk about here going forward mm-hmm. to 2018. And we are just getting started. Can't wait, man. Can't wait. 2018 is looking fresh. It definitely is, man. And that about wraps it up for this episode. We got some good talk in there about Solo, Black Panther, and a little bit about DC. And I'm always loving talking all three of those. And we're going to be back next week, of course. I don't know if Sanjay will be here or not. Maybe, maybe not. I think he's in <laughs> Vegas, actually. Oh, so lucky. hopefully we're talking about a new solo trailer. And hopefully Sanjay has lots of success down in Vegas. Can bring us back a little bit of cash to pump in to the podcast. But overall, <laughs> thank you guys very much for listening. And if you'd like to be a part of the show, you can always email us at thenerdorm at gmail.com. You can hit us up on our YouTube page 
or Facebook page. And you can always grab us on Twitter. Like we always say, we like to hang out on Twitter. You can catch our handles at the end of the episode. Well, all right, man, that's been a lot of fun. I've had a blast talking about all this with you, and I'm looking forward to seeing what drops next and what's there for us to talk about next week. So for The Nerd Room, I'm Tim. I'm Troy. And thank you for entering The Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts, Tim, Troy, and Sanjay, on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, and Sanjabi. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out thenerdroom.net. Don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, and YouTube. Be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find more podcasts in the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, Tumbling Saber, Generation X-Wing, Rogue Squadron Podcast, Skyrim's Podcast, and San Diego Sabers. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SWCommonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world.